Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens to hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I am on with a very special guest. This is Linda Letterman of Balabusta Secrets. Linda's cooking skills were so bad. Her own family banned her from cooking when she was a teen. Happily, her skills have dramatically improved. She now has over a thousand cookbooks, is a graduate of Ruby Cooking School, and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and has countless cooking courses from the International Culinary Center and Natural Gourmet Institute under her belt. She is a kitchen confidence coach and owner of Balabusta Secret, where she helps busy moms with meal planning, prep, and cooking lessons, as well as coaches them on how to serve their delicious dinners with side dishes of games and clever conversations with their family. Stress-free cooking tips for maximum flavor, fun, and young. Linda's mission is to bring back meaningful and memorable weeknight family dinners. Linda, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you today? I am fantastic and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Okay, let's get started. Before, though, we get into Balabusta Secret, I'd like you to tell my listeners a little bit more about who you are. Sure. I have two two teenagers. In my previous life, I was a lawyer. And I had my kids late in life. And so I said, you know, I need to put that on the back burner. I kind of accomplished an awful lot of what I had wanted to do. And I really wanted to be with my kids since I had waited so long to have them. And as they were getting a little bit older and they were starting to have friends over or would be involved in, you know, those little um t-ball sports events and stuff that are so fun to watch I'd be watching and their friends parents would say here's a subway sandwich that I picked up here's your dinner let's eat it on the car on the way to the next activity I'm going holy cow you know that's that doesn't look right to me when my kids friends would come over for dinner they'd um say wow my mom doesn't do this and we don't play games at the dinner table and can you just help her I took that as my cue as a profession I needed to go into. Wow. And I know you said later on in life. So tell me, what does that mean? And I guess that's a different having children older was not the norm, right? They, totally you know. not the norm. I had a career and then I had my, my kids. So were you in your 30s? When you say I had my son at 44. Wow. Wow. And then I adopted my daughter or we adopted my daughter two years later. Wow. Okay. That's wow. That's awesome. So (laughs) no, and I say wow, because no, that's just not the norm. But it gives a lot of hope to working women. 
It does. No, absolutely. And I'm going to tap into that for a second because I'm 38. My husband and I are thinking of having a second, mm-hmm. even in my generation that's older. I remember everyone in my family was like, oh, Nikki's never going to have kids. And I'm like, guys, I'm only 32. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, they're like, no, Nikki's never. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, my, my husband got married, same thing, kind of career, but us was more, I, I did say by 35 and crazy enough, we did have our son by 35. But I say all that to say, I had to ask my midwife, I'm like, would I be considered geriatric pregnancy? Oh my God. <laughs> and she's like, yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. granted, I had a home birth and I plan to have another one if that's what God permits. My midwife was like, not with us. You know, you wouldn't concede. She was like, but yes, if you went the OBGYN route or, you know, that way, yes. She's like, they would consider you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So how was... I don't want to say how was that like, but. So I will tell you, I had to do um, multiple rounds of fertility treatments mm. because I I didn't start off at 44 having trying to have a kid. It took yeah. me a long time to get to 44 to have a kid. Okay. Um, and that's just being honest. And I ended up using a donor egg. Wow. So um, I have a donor egg son and I have an adopted daughter and I'm a big believer in families come in many shapes and forms and they're all your family that's meant to be. No, I agree. And thank you so much for sharing that. I think it does give my listeners or for someone who maybe is struggling with that. I know it's very common friends, family who have been trying for a long time. So, you know, thank you for sharing that and saying, because it does come, especially nowadays, I'm like, there's so many opportunities for women to have that family. Mm-hmm. I know my husband's niece had gotten pregnant, unfortunately, I believe it was a stillbirth. And that was a tragedy in itself, but it made her realize she wanted to be a mom. So I believe she got two eggs and she decided to get a sperm donor and have children on her own because she was that in tune with it. And I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful for her to kind of have that. So it comes in all shapes, sizes. And actually, I think she eventually had twins with them, you know? Um, yep. So yeah, so <laughs> that's common. Comes in all shapes and, and sizes and all of that. Tell me though, how has been a mother in social media time frame, especially coming up since you didn't have that? How has it been? It's, it's a huge learning curve for me, I have to tell you. Um, and this is going to sound terrible, but I'm honest in everything I do and say. So when I was practicing law for an eternity, I had a secretary and I didn't type. I could dictate what I wanted. I would write things out longhand. So then came massive, you know, personal computers and technology, literally revolutions. And I hadn't grown up with it. I didn't know it. So my learning curve really started zero. Um, and I needed to learn everything. And, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm fairly new. I'm on Facebook a lot. I have a Facebook group, a Facebook page. I am fairly new to Instagram. And I have a son and daughter who really coach me along. Happy to admit that because you got to learn and the kids know more than I do. So it, it's different. It's different. But I mean, even like, did, were there any challenges with bullying or you having to now parent where it's like, I want a cell phone? These things that you never had as a child. Oh, just in now... terms of pa- and parenting issues? Yes. Oh, sure. You know, pff, cell phones, my God. <laughs> we certainly didn't have those. Yeah, you have to roll with the punches, though, because yeah. you don't want your kid to be inundated with technology. And at the same time, you don't want them to be spoiled by technology. And I have a firm rule, obviously no phones at the table. Um, I try not to have too many phones on car trips because there's so many games and things you can do in a car. 
I, I am not a believer in having those TVs in your car. It just, that's one of my bugaboos, you know, yeah. talk, sing, play games. You know, you have a family for a reason. And that's really one of the reasons why I do my business, because I think in this fast paced world, and it's certainly much faster than when I grew up for different reasons, we forget what is important. And we somehow or another use technology as an excuse to avoid real communication. You know, yes, they're on TikTok. Yes, they're on Snapchat. That's not a conversation. It's not talking. It's not hearing the tones in somebody else's voice. You know, things are misconstrued, especially with teenagers. They type something in on Facebook. Well, I guess teens aren't using Facebook, but on Snapchat, wherever they're typing it, they think it sounds and means one thing, but somebody else, since they haven't heard it coming from that person, they read it and they put their own inflection in it and it takes on a whole new meeting. You know, the crap hits the fan. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I try to have as many reasons for my kids to participate in our lives and us in their lives that don't involve the technology. No, that's so important. And tell me the ages, because I don't think you mentioned the ages of your... Um, I have a 19-year-old son and I know it's crazy. You don't look because yeah, you don't look at either because you're because you said 44, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought yeah, you, know, yeah, you would have yeah. been in your 50s and not, you know, like. Right, well, well, you can make me be in my 50s. 50s. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a 16 year old daughter who's um, studying to get her driver's license. Okay, wow. And no, and that's a big difference too between the 19 year old and someone studying to get their driver's license. Well, just it's three years. It's three year difference. Okay, so not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. And they're very close. Well, that's good. And I guess when you have one and they're in kind of the same realm of that teenage life, it makes it, you know. But yeah, I'm always fascinated with my moms, my veteran moms that I call them that have the older ones. And I'm like, how how are you navigating it and with the parenting issues? But I like that. I like setting boundaries. But how is it with the 19 year old of like being away from the cell phone? Because I know even for me, you know, with email and things. Right. I, it's a rule at the dinner table. And one of the things I do is I teach people and I, I take my own advice is I make dinner time fun. And my kids and us have played games and done things at dinner time since they were babies. And my best example of why it works still with a 19-year-old is because my 19-year-old son brought a girlfriend home fairly recently and she was going to stay for dinner. And I said, you know, did you tell her that we play games at the dinner table? And my son said, absolutely. And did I, and I said, did you tell her she's going to play? And he said, absolutely. And so, you know, you have all these awkward situations that could have come up because, you know, she doesn't know us. We don't know her. Everybody's, you know, tiptoeing around. But instead we're sharing a meal. We're playing games, which gives you something other than what are you studying? What do you hope to be kind of a conversation? And you're getting to know somebody on a totally different level. And that's one of the reasons why I recommend it for families to be doing it at their meal time also, because nobody wants to go at a, sit down after a meal after they're exhausted. They finally figured out what to make. Holy cow. I actually, it's not midnight. I have dinner on the table and you sit down and you look at your kids and you say, how was your day? And they say, yeah. fine. What'd you do today? Nothing. Well, no, it's been 12 hours since we sat down for a meal. Yeah. You've had to do something. It's the worst. So if you can make that conversation lively, I guarantee you, you will learn more about your family than you ever imagined. For sure. And that's a great segue into Balabusta Secret. So tell me what that transition is like from a, a lawyer, someone who, you know, cooks so bad to writing a thousand cookbooks and, 
you know, going. No, like, I, I, I own. I didn't write a thousand oh. cookbooks because I would be even older than I oh. am if I had to write a thousand cookbooks. <laughs> oh, that's over a thousand cookbooks. I, I misinterpret that. I'm like, wow. But I know that there's different like eBooks. So I'm thinking maybe yeah, you know yeah. you had. No, but, that's, okay. That's that would be way too much for me to write. <laughs> but even to have a thousand cookbooks, it's a lot. Gosh, I think I have like twelve, and my husband's like, really. Because I think two of them. Oh, my husband doesn't get it at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love to have them there, you know. But yeah, so tell me how. Where did so here's how from? here's how it happened. So when I was a teenager, I was really cocky, um, and my mother was a terrible, terrible cook. She just knew what she was making for those, you know, five days of the week for the weeknights, and it was the same thing, very predictable, very, very boring. And so I said to her one day, "Mom, your cooking really stinks," <laughs> you know, and I'm bored to tears. And she said, "All right, smart Alec." I'm going to get you the joy of cooking, which was a very big encyclopedia of recipes at the time. And she said, you're going to pick out a recipe and you're going to make it once a week and we'll see how you do. So I said, okay, you know, but now the challenge was on. So the first thing I picked out was Swedish meatballs. Now, does it look like I might know anything remotely about Swedish meatballs? No way. I don't know anything about it. And this book had no pictures at the time. I don't know if the later editions do, but back then there were no pictures. So I didn't even know what it was supposed to look like. Well, I made this thing. I'm sure I made a mess in the kitchen that my mother cursed at me for. And the meal was just a disaster. Horrible. Awful. Second week, I decided I was going to make veal cordon bleu. I can't pronounce it then. I still can't pronounce it now. Why I decided to make it, I have no idea. Again, disaster, disaster, disaster. The third week, I cooked something. And at that point, my whole family stood up and said, you're banned from cooking. You are never cooking for this family again. It is worse than mom's. I said, wow, game on. Maybe it's not as, as easy as I thought it was. Maybe it's not. Or maybe I just have no idea what I'm doing. Which I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. So... I took it upon myself as a challenge. I am not one for defeat. You know, if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to find a way to make the impossible possible. And so I started taking cooking courses, buying cookbooks, experimenting until I got, I have to say, really, really good. And if you know what you're doing and you know the tricks and the, and the shortcuts and the time-saving things to do, there's no reason why you can't get a really delicious meal on the table, let's say in under 30 minutes, in under 20 minutes. You just have to know what to do. And my goal is to spare everybody else from buying a thousand cookbooks <laughs> and having their family really think they're terrible for many years and teach them the tricks on how to do that. Because you don't have to have a complex meal to have a fabulous, memorable meal. I agree. So then when did you decide to make it a business if you want to then you know, you, you became a lawyer, right? That's your profession. Well, yeah, I was, I was a lawyer. And at that time, before I was, before I had kids, I entertained all the time because then I could use my skills. And, you know, I, I have to backtrack for me and tell you what a balabusta is because that'll tie it all in. So a balabusta is an old fashioned Yiddish term and it means a woman who makes a fine home. And my fine home is not Martha Stewart. Don't get fingerprints on my refrigerator. Get your feet off the couch. My fine home is the home where everybody wants to be. You know, friends, family, it's the welcoming home. Come on in, you know, have a seat. Let's tell some jokes. Let's share some stories. I've got some great food for you. We're going to have great laughs. We're going to share things. And it's the, it's the go-to home. 
And to me, that's my definition of a woman who makes a fine home is a woman who can bring that warmth to everything she does. And to anybody who comes through her front door is what I aspire to be. And I, I hope other people aspire to it, too, for many, many reasons. Um, the studies show that if kids sit down to a family meal, a warm, loving family meal, they do better academically in school. They have better social skills. They're less likely to use uh, abuse substances, They're better communication skills. So just even on the, the science side of things, why wouldn't you want that for your family? And for another reason I do it is if you don't do it, how are your kids going to learn those skills to know how valuable and precious they are so they're going to want to do it for their family? You know, I don't want to see the next generation and the generation after that living on takeout and fast food. It's not healthy. It's not economical. It's not good for the environment. And it's certainly not good for your well-being, both spiritually and physically. For sure. And me being a working mom with a toddler. And it's it's interesting because I came from a position where I always enjoyed entertaining enjoyed it, enjoyed it. Hence why I had a lot of cookbooks. Um, I remember we threw my mom a surprise 50th birthday and I catered basically everything myself. I mean, there was maybe like 25 of us and I did everything myself, right? I loved building things from scratch. And then I had my son. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, I just was overwhelmed and it just, you know, I understood when my mom would be like, I don't enjoy cooking as much because you feel like then you have to. And it just takes the element out of it because you're like literally going from point A to point B, coming home to cook. Yeah. How do you help moms kind of find that joy? Or is it really the meal planning? Because I see, you know, the cooking lessons. Is it just understanding to not get so complicated? Because I think that was another pressure I put on myself that I have to have this elaborate meal you know, all laid out. And that has helped. Like tonight I made jasmine rice with chicken, bell peppers, you know, onions and asparagus kind of cooked together. Obviously the chicken and the asparagus, not the rice. And almost like mm -hmm. a stir fry type thing with the chicken kind of cooked it real together, added some soy sauce and, boom, and it was really good. But that was quick, you know, yeah. two pots. It was the rice and the chicken and the asparagus were thrown together, you know, and all of that. So I look for things like that to where we're getting a veggie and getting some, so how? So I, I usually, I usually work with people one-on-one -on -one because yeah. what works for you may not work for somebody else. You know, everybody's got their own starting point of their cooking skill level. Mm -hmm. They have their own food preferences. They have their own share of what they call picky eaters. Um, I don't really like that term, but that's what most people call their kids who don't want to eat everything they cook. A good tip is not picky eaters, the adventurous. There's the adventurous and the not so adventurous. I was like, oh, that's a good way. Absolutely. So there you go. there you Absolutely. Go. So everybody's in a different place and I'm not a one size fits all kind of person. So, you know, there are people who say, oh, Sunday, you know, cook all your meals for the week and then you're all set. I don't want to give out my Sunday. Right. You know, it, that, that's me. But I can teach you that if that's what you want to do. So I, I, first of all, I find out where you are, what, how you cook, what you cook, what's in your pantry, what's in your refrigerator, what's in your freezer, mm -hmm. what have you tried, what worked, what doesn't work. We do a little bit of kitchen organization because if you organize your kitchen uh, in an efficient way, you'd be surprised how much time you can cut off of your cooking time. I mean, how many times have you looked for the damn minced garlic and had to take all the spices out of your cabinet because it was in the back? And then you find five of them because you keep buying it because you don't remember you have it. So part of it's kitchen organization. 
Part of it's meal planning techniques that I teach people. Um, one of the things I like to suggest to people is you can batch cook. And I'm going to use what you just said you cooked as an example. Okay, instead of cooking rice for that one dish, cook twice as much rice. Mm. You're going to use half, and then you're going to use the other half of it another night during the week. It doesn't have to be the next night. A lot of people don't like to have that same ingredient two days in a row. But you can wait a day or two and turn that rice into fried rice. And you can put some grilled shrimp on it. You can put whatever you want on it. But to make fried rice, it works best if you have day-old rice. Mm -hmm. I see you shaking your head because you know that. So if you made twice as much, you could turn that extra rice into something totally different another night. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I do that's really quick and easy that I I teach people how to do, my kids love um, spicy Asian turkey meatballs. I make them on a sheet pan in the oven so there's no splatter. Maybe takes 10 minutes to prepare, another 15 minutes to cook. Quick, quick dinner. So one night I could put it on rice noodles and make a pad thai with the peanut sauce. Again, rice noodles, all you're doing is putting boiling water on the noodles. (laughs) You know, they're done two minutes Mm -hmm. really quick. Um, Peanut sauce you can make probably in five. So you're going to have the Asian spicy meatballs. Let's say you're going to put it on the rice noodles with the peanut sauce one night. Another night, and again, this time you're going to batch cook the spicy meatballs, Mm -hmm. okay? So you have your leftover meatballs, and you're going to say, I don't want my kids, I want that. But you can crumble them another night and put them with a little Husan sauce on lettuce wraps Mm -hmm. and serve it with bok choy. So again, you're not making that main course anymore. It's already done. You're just heating it up for a couple of minutes. You know, lettuce wraps, you just... It's just lettuce, <laughs> you know, Husan sauce. You're taking out of the jar that, that you have Husan sauce. Yeah. You don't have to make everything from scratch. And you have a totally different dinner literally in minutes. So you've got delicious food, different, different nights, and not taking a whole lot of time. So I, I, I call it repurposing your leftovers. I was just going to say, so basically I'm hearing repurposing and, again, thinking, using what you got instead of trying to recreate this elaborate meal every single time. You'll go nuts. If, if you think you have to cook elaborate meals every night, you will burn out really fast and resent it. And if you resent it, it'll come out in the food in a way that won't make it taste good. I've always taught my kids the secret ingredient in everything I cook is love. Yeah. And if you're enjoying what you're cooking instead of resenting it, that food's going to taste really good because it's made with love, no matter what. A hundred percent. Well, yeah. And think about it. If you're not paying attention, you know, I know my mom doesn't have the the taste of it, the love for it anymore. So there are times she'll forget like the rice is on, you know, when we've come over, I'm like, my smell. She's like, oh yeah, the rice was cooking. But, but that goes to show you of like, kind of like not being into it as much as maybe she once was. Yep. Right. Um, yep. And, you know, she'll, and she'll say it. She's like, I just don't kind of have it anymore. Granted, my sister and I are out of the house, so she doesn't really have to cook like she did, but she doesn't have it anymore. So it's not her top priority. She'd rather play a game or do something else than to think of that. But one thing that she could do when she makes something, instead of reusing her leftovers that week, you can batch cook things and freeze some things. So I'm a big freezer of, I make um, a wonderful fish stew. I make a huge pot, I mean like huge, and then I freeze it in portion-sized containers for my family. So on a busy weeknight when my kids have after-school activities or I'm working late and I don't have time to make something from scratch, I can take out something that I know is delicious because we've had it before and we haven't had it in a while and I can defrost that 
and we have a, a really delicious meal. So you can think of what you can freeze and not everything can be frozen. So, you, you know, there's an art to what you can freeze and what you can't. But once you know that, you can make things in quantity and freeze them and have them for a really crazy night also. I love that. Thank you for those tips because those right there are like just little things to think. I know organization. And even when I've watched cooking shows, they're always like knees in place, Yep. you know, yep, of yep. having your, and it makes sense, right? You know, if you have things and it makes it easier than you running around, like where is the pot for this or where's the top for this? So I'm going to get, I'm going to give you a tip for that also. So let's say you actually have meal planned and you don't have to plan every meal for the week, but let's say, you know, let's say, you know, three out of five meals for the weeknight. Okay. And you know, onions are going to be in two of them. If you're chopping onions, chop them for enough for both of those recipes mm. and put what you don't use in another bag. So now you've just saved yourself time. I mean, it doesn't take any more time to chop an extra onion while you're chopping onions, but it does take an extra time on a different night to go get the onions, take out the cutting board, take out the knife, blah, blah, blah. So there's that's another simple way of meal planning, and that's really meal prep when you can look ahead to see what you need down the week and see when you can prepare those things as well. I love it. I love it. I love it. So what are some of, I know you mentioned the fishy, what are some of your favorite things to cook? What are your, I mean, you mentioned Asian, this, that. So what are your, what are your favorite things to cook? Favorite things to eat? What would your family say? One of my family's favorite things, we just made it this past week is a uh, Thai shrimp curry soup, mm. which is really, really delicious. Simple, simple, to make, I'm going to be posting the recipe on my website. Some nights I can serve it with rice vermicelli noodles in it. Again, those are those melt in the soup. You're not even cooking it. You know, you put it in while the, the soup is cooking. Um, then you can add bok choy to it. You can add Chinese spinach to it. You can add shiitake mushrooms rice. to it. So now you, you have, have a rice. one. You could have right. You put rice in it. That leftover rice from the day before, from what you made with your chicken. Now you're adding some bulk to your soup. Yeah. Uh, very, very easy to make, freezes really wonderfully, and it's a one-pot dish. Love it. You know, simple, simple, simple. So that's often on on request in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really, I cook all different cuisines, but uh, I have to be honest and say, nothing I do has to be authentic because I really don't believe a recipe's got to be authentic. Mm-hmm. If I lived in Italy, I'm not even Italian, but if I lived in Italy <laughs> and my grandmother was on block A, she said, Linda, this is how you make tomato sauce. And I went to somebody's grandma on block B, four doors down, and she said, that's not how you make it. Well, then who's right? Mm-hmm. Forget it. Make it the way that tastes good for you. I love you know? it. And for all, those, for all those cookbooks that I have, I almost never follow a recipe. I read it to get ideas. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the tricks that I teach my clients is don't be so hung up about everything the recipe says because it may not reflect your taste buds. Mm-hmm. You know, and if your family really loves garlic like mine does, if it says one clove of garlic garlic, <laughs> really? One clove of garlic? Mm-hmm. Who does that? Not my family. So you have to <laughs> you have to know what you like, right? So, so you don't have to follow everything. Another reason why that comes in handy is, let's say your recipe called for an ingredient and, oh my gosh, you don't have it. And you're halfway through cooking it because you didn't think in advance to see what you needed. Well, you're not going to stop the recipe, but maybe you know what you could substitute Mm -hmm. instead. And if you don't know what substitute instead, you may be able to know, well, it's not a really key ingredient because this is how I think my recipe is going to turn out anyway. So take the pressure off yourself. You know, 
We put so much pressure on ourselves to be exact and perfect. And one of the reasons why I like to cook is because it's creative and you can experiment. I am not a good baker because you have to measure and baking is a science. So desserts, I'll buy, ask a friend to bring, (laughs) you know, I'm not proud. Cooking is not that way. It's meant to be flexible. And uh, another thing that I do is since I really do experiment all the time when I cook, I'll put a meal on the table. And this is great for, for when you have, no matter what age your kids are. And you say to your kids the first time they try it, is this a meal I should make again? A thumbs up or thumbs down? Because you want to give them a voice in everything that you do. And if they say, oh my God, this is awful. Don't ever make it. Instead of saying to myself, okay, I'll cross this one off my list. Again, going back to, I, I don't take defeat lightly. I'll say, well, how could I make it better? What do I need to add? What do I need to change? What don't you like about it? And no matter how old your kid is, once they can talk, they can start verbalizing what they like and what they don't. And it really helps kids, A, to think, to think about flavors, think about combinations, think about what they like, think about being creative. There's so many things that you can do when you actually talk at a dinner table that it's wonderful learning, but nobody feels like they're being taught. I agree. No, that I love it. It's so true. Yeah, I, I, I learned to do that. My So I'm Puerto Rican and Italian. My husband is Jamaican and Guyanese. So I love eating. Those are good flavors. <laughs> A lot of good flavors. <laughs> Correct. And curry is one of my absolute favorite things. Jamaican curry, so Caribbean mm-hmm. curry, Indian curry, Thai curry. I love curry. And I was making curry chicken and I was putting a lot of emphasis to try and make it like how his mother would. And I was like, okay, number one, that's a big mistake. So I'm never going to make, oh, you'll never make that. Never make it. <laughs> so I add, I was like, wait a minute, I'm Puerto Rican. Right. So I added my own adobo. I added and kind of brought the flavors together, which then set me apart, you know? So now it's like one of my favorite things to make. My son loves to eat it. My husband as well. Um, and I'm like, how is it? And he's like, I love it, you know? And I'm like, yeah. So it still gives me my curry, but it's mixed with my Latin flavor of bridging the two. So I love um, how you say that because that's that's one of the things I do. And I don't think I did it necessarily thinking other than I'm like, okay, I'm putting this pressure on myself. Let me just add my adobo, my sofrito, what I would normally, and then the curry powder and all my other flavors. And um, yeah, so it's it's a nice dish, but no, I love that. And let me ask for someone, I know sometimes I get overwhelmed and maybe you come across this with moms that you work with and not just moms, right? Cause I'm assuming you work with all, but there's an emphasis right. because it's the moms. Like I said, I went from enjoying to cook to being like, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. One of the things I realized I come across with an issue is maybe not prepping something or not knowing how. And I'm like, do I need to take a cooking class? Should I learn certain things? That'll get me overwhelmed and then keep me kind of stuck in making the same stuff because Mm -hmm. the adventure side is gone because I'm like, I don't have time to look deep into that because I got to make this meal. So talk on that a little Mm -hmm. bit. Sure. One of the things that I do when I work with people who do have that um, either fear of trying something new or fear that it's going to be too complex is based on their food preferences, I'll give them a recipe and I'll say, and I'll talk them through it. I can even do a video chat with them and show them what to do if they want to do that. Or I could say, you know, here's a really simple recipe. You want to try it on your own. And then we could have a talk and see where you got hung up. Mm. Because there's no such thing as a bad meal. I mean, you can always salvage something. 
but you have to start trying and you can't let that fear of trying something new hold you back from ever doing anything different. Mm -hmm. Because again, it doesn't have to be complex to be different and delicious, but you have to be willing to take that step. Sure. And if I can show you how quick and easy it is, all of a sudden it's not so scary. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it is, oh my gosh, I have to buy these ingredients and I have to buy this and I have to do that. You know, it'll take me forever. I've got to go to 50 different grocery stores and Amazon doesn't deliver on time. You know, what, whatever it is. But if you have a well-stocked pantry, and that's one of the things I work with people also, if you have a well-stocked pantry and a well-stocked refrigerator, you should be able to whip up things in no time at all. My goal is to teach people to do it without a recipe. And to start whipping up things creatively because they know what different flavors work with what. And if you know a bunch of basic methods of cooking, you can always change out the protein, but keep the flavor base. So one of the things I tell people is, you know, some people say, well, I can't figure out what to make every day. It's too much of a burden. And I say, well, there's ways that you can do themes for your food. And it doesn't have to be Taco Tuesday every Tuesday. But if you want to do Taco Tuesday, let's think about something other than your meat-based taco Tuesday every Tuesday, because truthfully, you just got to shoot yourself after the third Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it just, you can't do it. You can't do it. Oh. Maybe I have a very low tolerance for boredom, but no, <laughs> I can't. I don't do think that. I've ever done a taco Tuesday like that. Maybe once, maybe I'm like, I don't know. So, right. But what I can tell people to do is let's think about a fish taco or a shrimp taco, or pulled pork taco, or chicken taco soup. Mm. So you can still feel free that you're doing Taco Tuesday because you have those Mexican, South American spices there, but just use them in a different format. You're not going to have to do things. You're just using what you have in a different way. And it could be just as easy as just changing the protein in a regular taco if that's all you're comfortable doing at the beginning. Or make your taco into burritos. You know, there's so many different things you can, or you can say to yourself, well, maybe I just want to cook Mexican or Latin on Tuesdays. (laughs) You know, you can, you know, expand it to a whole culture or a cuisine. Once you start thinking different ways about how and what you're going to cook for dinner, it actually looks kind of exciting. Yeah no matter how tired you are, because you know you'll be able to do something really quickly that's going to make everybody happy. Make everybody happy. And I'm assuming you also help with if someone has like a dietary issue, they have gluten, they need, you know, they have allergies or they have certain things. So my my, my son for years was gluten intolerant. Mm. So yes, I can do gluten intolerant. We have diabetes in my family. We have keto. I have a relative who does does keto. (laughs) We we can do soup to nuts. Because in the end, it's really just recipes. You know, it's, you don't have to put a label on. Mm -hmm. You really don't. You know, it's what you want to eat. I agree. No, that's awesome. So does your family now say, hey, Linda, you can come over and cook? Was that change? Are you good now? (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. I'm the go-to mom. Are you kidding? (laughs) Yeah. And and my friends say, Linda, when are you having us over? I mean, they they just invite themselves because that's what you want. You know, that's, that's what you want. I love it. So be, before we go into a little bit more, though, about you, why don't you tell me how did you incorporate or why was it incorporated to, to, to do the games? And is that also part of how you work with moms to kind of get that? Totally do it. Totally do it. Because like I said before, what, you know, you're doing whatever level of work you're doing and you're doing whatever you're doing to get a dinner on the table and whatever pressure you put yourself on and you want to sit down. It's the end of the day. You want to chill out. You want to maybe talk about something important, maybe talk about something fun, 
but you, you, you need to decompress as a family because when else are you sharing time together? You know, it's your kids are at activities, you're at work or you're volunteering or you're doing something else. It's almost important. And you'll see as your kids get older or, or as kid, your child gets older, there's not always an easy just to have a set dinner time because everybody's got other things happening. And you may even see that in your life now. So you really need to take advantage of that time and you really need to make it meaningful. And I grew up in a house where we played games. And so <laughs> it, I still play it, obviously. It made a big impression on me. But there's so, I'll, I'll give you an example of some of the things I teach moms. You know, there's a stupid holiday for every day of the year that's related to food, right? I mean, just totally stupid. I'm gonna give you two examples. One is, um, there was a marketing studio in California somewhere, and they had as their mascot on the top of their building a huge, huge statue, like let's say nine, ten feet tall, half man, and it had a chicken head. And it was called Chicken Boy. That was the mascot of this marketing studio. And at some point, they decided to move or close shop, and somebody bought the building, and they were going to take down this huge statue that people hadn't seen for years and years and years. And there was such a public outcry, the public bought, put, pulled their money together and got the statue off the building, put it in a public park, yeah. and created Chicken Boy Day. And September 5th in this town is Chicken Boy Day. So let's say we were in September, and I would tell a mom, okay, September 5th, Chicken Boy Day. Here's three different kinds of chicken recipes you might want to make. So let's talk about conversation at the dinner table that would go with what you're making. Mm. So you might want to say, if you were half human and half something else, what would the other half be? Oh, that's cool. Why? Would you have any superpowers? What would those superpowers be? Who would be, you know, your friends and who would be your foe? You could also take it in a totally different direction. And you could say things like, what would be your favorite childhood toy that you'd want to pass on to your kids? Something so special that you'd never want to see destroyed. Yeah. There's so many different ways you can take a conversation. So that's one example of tying your conversation into a food holiday. Another thing is April, National Poetry Month. Okay. Everybody groans. (laughs) So of course everybody groans. So I said to my family, it's National Poetry Month. It's April. You've got to come down to dinner with a poem. Well, you could have heard them groaning from wherever you are. You know, this was not a big hit in my family. But they know to play along because usually what I tried to do at the table works out good. You know, you know, got some flops. But for the most part, I got a really good batting record. At this. I said, you know, don't, don't, don't think so small about poetry. It could be a nursery rhyme. It could be an ad jingle. It could be lyrics to a song. It could be something that you write. You know, don't limit yourself to what is poetry, but I expect you to come down to dinner with something that we can discuss. So my son comes down with a poem he wrote on I Hate Poetry. (laughs) Really funny, right? Really funny. Because you can't take this stuff too seriously and too personal. The whole idea is just to have meaningful fun. Mm -hmm. So I Hate Poetry. My daughter came up with some kind of jingle that was just ridiculous. My, my husband took it upon himself to write a rap song. It is the worst rap song. So horrible. My kids were rolling out of their chairs hysterical. It was hysterical. And to this day, he tells people, hey, you know, I, want a, I wrote a rap song. You want to hear it? And we all groan and we're like we run away in horror. <laughs> but it's, it made such a fun, fun meal. 
and really didn't take much effort at all. No, I love that. And I think what it really is like, it's just making thought provoking questions. And honestly, I don't want to say the new generation of parenting, but I don't know if, you, if you've heard like the, the new terminology of like peaceful parenting and very mindful parenting. Mm. So like there's all these niche words or like specific things. And look, I, being a new mom, you know, I was all into reading all of it. And, and I, I, I like a little bit of everything, if that makes sense. Right. You know, of trying mm-hmm. to not with a complete old school and do some things. And, and, and some of it has worked in letting my son talk and kind of breathing out with him and not just like saying, because I said so. I say all that to say a lot of it also says in regards to that asking thought provoking questions, because we are in that day and age where everything is the cell phone and they are losing some of that interaction, whether it be with their friends or whatever it is. It's like, no, when you're having a conversation with your children, make sure they're open ending thought provoking questions, as opposed to just how was your day, right? So the two games you gave were perfect examples. And the fact that you're tying them to dinner, I think are amazing because Yeah, I mean, I know for me, we didn't have dinner every night, maybe at a dinner table, um, but we were always together. I might have been on the couch, you know, we just were in the family room, whatever it looked like. But I remember those was kind of some of my best times. Even to this day, when I go to my mom's house, we're eating and we're all talking and catching up with something like that's just what you do. So the fact that you're putting it together, I love I love those tips. Okay, so before I go again into into a little bit more about you, though, and my fun little questions that I asked, how can women find you? I have a website, balabustasecret.com, and I'm also on Facebook for Balabusta Secret. I have a Facebook group, Easy Weeknight Dinners for Busy Moms. You can reach out to me with any questions you have on notes to the show right here. I'll try to get back to you, and I will tell you that I am doing something, I'm doing something new now. On Monday, November 1st, I'm doing a holiday meal planning boot camp because Holidays are coming up. A lot of people didn't have holidays last year because of COVID. A lot of people are first time hosting holiday dinners. A lot of people who are hosting holiday dinners are saying, Oh my God, it's my turn again. You know, so not everybody knows how to make those enjoyable, how to plan it because there's a lot more planning to a holiday dinner than there is to an every night weeknight dinner. There's just a lot of steps mm-hmm. and a lot of pieces involved. So I'm doing a boot camp to teach people the basic tips and tricks. And then a week later, I'm actually uh, hosting a course that's going to go more into depth on how to really get your holiday planning done for your meals. And so you can be a guest at your table instead of hiding in the kitchen with your pot's boiling over and your dishes lukewarm and some of them are too cooked because you don't know how to plan it right. And I would love to join like it's so funny we just did a group text today of who's hosting what Thanksgiving Christmas or Christmas Day kind of thing so yes yep. um, we'll, we'll talk but okay let's go into my quick get to know. I know you have the joy of, of cooking and all of that and that's awesome but I'm sure a lot of your success in anything has been I, I hear like the, the prepping the planning for it the this the that so how do you plan your day? What is your, you know, morning routine look like? What is your evening routine look like? You know, I, I used to be a night owl. Love and I and I couldn't get things done until I had a deadline approaching, which meant I would be doing things late into the night. That's just how I I was. Then I had kids. Okay? Then your time frame is not your own anymore. And now I am up at the crack of dawn whether I want to be up or not. Um, I try to get some work down. I, first of all, I have to have my coffee. Then I start to do some work. Then I get my daughter up for school and the bus stop for her school is almost about a mile away. So I drive her to the bus stop. 
I, we have two dogs. I take my dogs with me. And then I usually meet a friend and we do a really long walk. We have beautiful nature where I live. And so we go for a long walk. My dogs get their exercise. I get my exercise. I come home. It's still early morning. <laughs> um, and I start my day. And so it's really, it's an invigorating way to start it because I have my own peaceful time before anybody else gets up. And then I, you know, get my, my daughter off to school. But then I take the dogs and I'm breathing in the fresh air and I'm talking with a friend as I'm walking. And, you know, we could talk about fun stuff. We could be working out problems. We could talk about business and help each other. But it's really nice to have, um, they call them exercise buddies, but it's just to me a friend, you know. And I, I have a steady person I do it with, but I rotate other people at the same time. And to me, it's a great way to start your day. I love it. And how do you end your, how do you unwind for the day? How do I unwind for the day? Uh, my daughter has me hooked on certain Netflix shows. <laughs> um, so, you know, we watch a little TV together and then she usually goes up and chats on the phone with her friends, you know, until it's her bedtime. Um, I, I watch the news. I watch shows. I try to get some reading in. It's hard to unwind at the end of the day when you have a lot of stuff going on and you know you have a lot of stuff ahead of you in the days to come. It's... um not the easiest thing for me to do. It's funny. I've, I don't know how many women I've asked that question to most recently that me adding that. And everyone says that's the one that they struggle with the most, you know, yeah. especially the ones who are either business owners, you know, they're on my show to talk about what they do. And they're like, to be honest, I'm still struggling with that. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's, it, yeah. it is difficult to unwind. So, but from what I'm hearing, I don't hear you're working. So you do try and set like work hours during the day, obviously for yourself. It, it depends on what I have going on. So sometimes I can work till very late at night. I try not to do that on a steady yeah. diet. You know, I just don't think it's healthy for me. I don't think it's for my healthy for my family. Yeah. If I can get things done in, you know, and, and we don't eat dinner at five o'clock. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm working fairly yeah. late. Um, and I do have to say though, my, my, I have taught both my kids to cook and I think it's very important. Mm to let your kids cook with you, um, let them grocery shop with you. You can start young. I mean, four, four is fine. There's plenty of things that they can do um, and make them a part of it because it's, it's really meaningful. Um, but now I can look at my daughter and say, oh, Abby, I've got so much work. This is what I was going to make for dinner. Do you think you could start it? <laughs> and she can, which is really good. Yes. <laughs> you want to get to that point. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, my son at this point enjoys helping me in the cook and to, to cook. And he has even asked, he's like, can I take cooking classes? So I'm hoping that by the time he turns five, which is a year from now, anything can change that he still kind of has that. So to your point, when we're in the kitchen, you know, I, I try not to lose sight of that because yes, I, there are times where I'm like, I need to get this done. But then I try and be mindful again and be like, wait, a minute. I don't want to keep saying no, because then he's not going to want to ask or want to help anymore. Right. That's awesome that you guys are now at that phase, that next, that, that next phase, where it's like, can you start? That's, that's awesome. Okay. Yep. So before we get into my quick get to know my speed round, is there anything else you'd like to share with my listeners? Uh, what's next for Valbusta is the coaching that I do, which I think is, is just enjoyable for me. And I know that the women I work with really get a lot out of it and they blossom. Because once they know what they're doing, the world opens up to them. Mm -hmm. And it's not the pressure of what do I have to do to get something on the table? Because they know, like I said, once they know what, to, what they need, what they have and how to use it, their world, their world just changes completely. 
it's wonderful for me to participate in that and watch that development and growth. And I, I guess my, my big thing is, um, it doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have to be complex and dinner can be memorable done with speed and ease, yum and lots of fun. So don't put the pressure on your shoulders. Take the time to, to learn how to do it and your life and your family's life will be so much more enriched. I love it. Okay. So Linda, what is your favorite book? So my favorite book, probably one no one has heard of, <laughs> but it's called The Revolution of Marina R. And it's by a woman named Janet Fitch. And it's almost like an historical novel. So there's a lot of realistic history in it, but it's in a fictional setting. And it's about a bourgeois teenage girl in Russia at the turn of the century, 1900s. So it's, you know, she's a very wealthy bureaucrat. Her parents are very wealthy bureaucrats. And then revolutions start happening and she falls in love with a revolutionary and goes completely the other way and is disowned by her family and all the trials and tribulations about what happens. And there's many twists and turns and it's incredibly engrossing. And it's one of the few books that when I got to the end, I said, there has to be more. I'm not ready for it to end. You know, and a lot of times you read a book and you say, oh my God, they just like, threw in the towel at the ending, <laughs> you know, and the endings are so disappointing when they had so much potential, but not this book. This book had so much potential. It was like, you can't stop here. I mean, it was, it, I couldn't put it down. And lo and behold, the author came out with a, a sequel and I was thrilled to pieces. <laughs> um, but the revolution of Marina R hands down one of my, and I've given it to I, countless people wow. to read. I, I just okay, I have to much. check it out. I love to read, hence why it's my first question. So I'm always fascinated by, you know, recommendations. Okay. You said that, you know, your, your daughter tells you about shows. What is your favorite movie or current show you're binge watching? I'm binge watching something. It is by far not my favorite, but I am binge watching it. So the one, my favorite recent one that I finished is Lupin, oh. which is a, a Netflix show. Dynamite, dynamite. You saw it, right? Hands down, everybody's got to watch it. For those who don't know, uh, there's a, a book about a gentleman burglar in France. And lo and behold, without giving the story away, there may or not be a real, a real gentleman burglar as well. Twists and turns, fabulous. So love that one. But that's not what I'm binging now because I finished. So right now, much to my dismay, my daughter has had me watching Grey's Anatomy. I'm late to the table. I'm totally late to the table. I generally don't like medical shows. And she got me addicted. And I curse her every <laughs> night. And, the, and as she's going to bed, I go and I like scream up, did you know so-and-so? I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, what are the, how many seasons are they in? A thousand. I will never finish. I have to cut myself off at some point. It's just, I have to, but she got me started and now we watch I know. I, I, I was into it and then I knew it was going to be one of those shows that was going to be too much. And then I got sidetracked. Sidetrack me, please. <laughs> I need to get off of it. <laughs> but from the seasons I did no, it was, it was very good. It's a very good yeah. of, of the medical shows. There's a lot of, a lot of heart and, and stuff there. Who makes up your village? Who makes up my village? I actually have a fairly large village. I have a small family, but I have a very large village. So um, I'm incredibly close to my mom and my brother, incredibly close to them. I don't have any other siblings. I have lots of friends from many different parts of my life. Believe it or not, I'm still in touch with some high school friends, still in touch with college friends. 
my law school friends um, are probably the most, uh, the closest people I am in the world. We have a yearly party at my house, <laughs> of course, my house, and people fly from all over the country oh, for us. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's really fun. Um, and we probably email, email each other multiple times a day. Those are really great. And I have my local friends, friends that I walk with, you know, as, as you have kids and as they get a little older, you become friends with your kids, friends, parents, yes. and it's a whole new social set that you would not have normally been exposed to. And I was also very involved in the school system. I was a PTA, PTO president mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. So there's many different aspects to people I've come encountered and have become really good friends with. And they're all like-minded in terms of, well, yeah, it does take a village. And if you need something, I'll help you, you know, and can you help me when I need something? And I think that's the way it should be. So a large set of friends from very different walks of life. And I like to intermingle them because I think it's important that they know. So I'll throw a party and I'll have some from each one of those categories because you know, if they all like me, then they're all going to like each other. That's awesome. What is a favorite item in your home? Uh, I have two Afghans that my mother made me. My mother is a great knitter. She's she's old now um, and not knitting anymore <laughs> because you can't really see it. Um, but she made me two Afghans many, many years ago. And it's something that I still cuddle in and my kids cuddle mm. in. And you can't beat that. No, you can't. And it's a lost art too. You don't find many people doing that anymore. Yeah. Right. The other, the other, the other favorite thing I have is we had to downsize my mother from the house she was living to smaller accommodations. And so we had to go through everything when we did that. We had a thousand years of photos because she's a thousand years old. (laughs) I can say that because she lets me make fun of her. So, so my brother, God bless him took all those photos and put them um, on a thumb drive. And so now I have all those pictures from even back going back to her wedding. Wow. um, Which is a treasure. So, you know, sometimes people say, you know, if you had to run out of your house because your apocalypse is coming, what would you take? I would take that thumb drive in the Afghans. I love it. I love it. Besides my kids and my pets. (laughs) (laughs) If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? I've traveled a lot in the world. I've really gone to a real lot of places. I haven't been to the Far East, so I would like to do that. Uh, I think as far as I got, I've been to Turkey, but I haven't been to a lot of Asian countries. So I would like to go there. And I'd love to do an African safari. I love it. Um, African safari. I did that. I did that once in 2015. It is it is amazing. So where since you have traveled a lot, where is your favorite place that you have been? Oh, anywhere I am at it. Oh. <laughs> I love that um, answer. I really have been, I've never been to a place I didn't love. Yeah, no, for sure. I think traveling, I think if people, more people were able to travel outside wherever their thing is, oh, I think the world would be a different, different world. I agree. Yeah, I agree. it just changes perspective on everything. And finally, what has motherhood taught you? Oh, slow down a little bit and be way more patient than I am. Patience has never been a strong point for me but you need infinite amounts of it when you're a parent. Yeah. And sometimes you need to hold your tongue and think before you react. Mm. Hard lessons to learn, but there's nothing like parenthood. 
there's nothing like it. No, there really isn't. Well, Linda, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for sharing your tips. Like I said, I would love to join um, your group. So I will reach out because I know there are things that I know I can work on. And I'm in this, you know, ending kind of 2021 on this, like, I don't know, just I have this in me to like make improvements of myself on different levels. So we'll talk, but thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and, and your story and those great tips. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Happy to happy to work with you and your audience. Um, let's make life fun and delicious. Life should be luscious. I love it. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining me this week on the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at NicoleGConsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out themotherhoodvillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for an another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.